you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you who are here with us in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online and just know that whether it's your very first time with us, whether you've been with us for years, I believe that, um, that God loves you, that you need to be aware of that, and that God has a specific reason why you are part of our service today. So God has uh, something to either encourage you with, maybe to challenge you with, or maybe just to meet you here through the time of worship, through the time through God's word, through time of communion, through the time of community with one another. And so welcome. We're so glad you're here. Before you even showed up this morning or before you turned on your screen, whenever you're joining us, know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved, and that we're so excited to be able to have this time together. Now, as Thomas mentioned in the video, we are um, in this Masterpiece in Progress series in which we are looking at the different ways that God has shaped us. Now, we have been looking at a couple different books. We've been looking at Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, as well as Shape by Eric Reese, in which Eric, who works with Rick Warren or worked with him previously, took some of the points from days like 30, 31, 32 or so in Purpose Driven Life, and then he made a book and fleshed that out in order to talk about how we've all been shaped for service. Now, Shape is an acronym, so the next slide shows us that it looks at our spiritual gifts that God has given us a heart or a passion, that he's given us abilities that are not spiritual gifts, but are still something that um, God uses and that have been affirmed in your life, that he's given us a specific personality and that he's given us different experiences. And so we are currently on the week of personality. And this is one that um, I think is is helpful for me because uh, when I started going to my previous church and I joined the staff, I started serving September of 2004 at my previous church up in LA County got hired on the staff March of 2006 and was on staff until uh, I was able to come here. And today is February 26th. So today is the official fifth anniversary of when I actually started working here. And so I'm really excited. Oh, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't meant for an applause, but I'll take it. And so, um, and you know, it's one of those where people are like, hey, did you have a five-year plan? I'm like, yes, I plan to have two years that everything's going well. And then I planned for a pandemic, like all of us, right? This was part of our, no. So really grateful to be able to be here and to be part of this body of Christ. And I'm, it's such an honor. But I remember there were times in which before I came here that just the idea of being a senior pastor, I always felt called to it ever since I gave my life to the Lord. But at my previous church, it was a bigger church. And, and there were times when I would have people on staff and, and people were just kind of saying, hey, like, you know, maybe, um, maybe you're just not, you know, you're just not meant to be in that bigger role. Maybe that's just not the personality you have. You know, we want people who are go-getters, who are like, we're going to take this hill and we're going to whatever corporate, you know, lingo that you hear all the time. And like, we're going to do it. And we want you to be that. And I'm like, I want to, I want to love God and love people. Like, I don't know how to do the exact same thing you want me to do. And not that those people don't, but that just wasn't the way that I was wired. And so I wasn't the one that was going to say, okay, let's be a church planter from, from scratch. Like I have friends who are church planters and I just do not have that personality in order to start from scratch and to get everybody on the same page and to move. Yet I feel like God has called me and allowed me to be a shepherd, to be able to come alongside people, to be able to walk with them, to love God and love people as a shepherd would. And yet 
even after I moved down here, I was part of a, part of a senior pastor's group. And one of the, the guy who leads it is talking about, you know, there's a difference when it comes to shepherds and leaders. And you want leaders in certain positions that you don't want shepherds in. And so sometimes I would sit in that group and they'd have some incredible pieces of wisdom. But I'm sitting here and I think, I'm not wired the same way some of these other senior pastors are wired. I'm not wired and I don't see things the same way. And I can feel sometimes more discouraged being surrounded by other senior pastors than encouraged. Now, it's not always that way. But maybe like me, you've had moments where you felt like maybe God has stirred something in you. And yet you feel like, but I'm not wired the same way that it looks like everybody else is that is trying to fulfill that calling. Maybe I'm not wired in the same way that everyone else is. And yet God does not look at you and say, oh, well, I messed up with you. He said, I did wire you for a specific reason. And so what we're going to unpack today is we're, we're actually going to look at just a few verses through Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 19, in which Jesus calls the apostles. But we're going to take this passage, and then we're going to look at the fact that God has wired each of us intentionally. The idea that he calls different personalities and that God uses every type of personality. There is no right or wrong personality for ministry. The only wrong type of personality is when we try to be like somebody else. And so if you'll join me in a word of prayer as we dive into what God has for us through his word, and then we'll um, just see where we go through Mark chapter 3. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, watching or listening later throughout the week. God, I pray that you would meet each and every one of us here this morning. I pray that you would challenge or encourage or speak just words of care and love to us. God, whatever it is that we need to hear, God, I know that, Holy Spirit, you know what each of us need more than I do. So, Lord, I pray that as we dive into word that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And, Lord, that we would see what it is that you have for us this morning. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. Before we do that, a couple of things. We are um, continuing on in this series, and our small groups are going alongside of it. And so if you had um, the bulletin and you wanted to take sermon notes, I encourage you to grab that. If you did not grab that, um, we're going to be filling in some blanks. If you're not a person who likes to fill in blanks, that's okay. But just know that's where we're going to be. If you have the notes in front of you, you're going to notice that there's a colorful box about not about two-thirds of the way down, and we're going to unpack some of those different things together. So it's a little bit different than how it normally would be. So here's what I want you to do as we look at our notes, is the first fact is this idea that God has wired your personality intentionally. Was it a mistake? It's not like he, like I said, he didn't make a mistake with how he wired you. So if you've ever felt like your personality was not right or not good or not viable, then I just want to encourage you that God created you for the purpose for which you are made. And so either one, we need to not worry about what other people are saying in order to say, oh, you can't do this because of how you've been made, or you can't do that because of your personality. Or we need to lean into how he has shaped us. We need to go with the green rather than against it. So here's how Eric Ries in the book, Shape, that we referred to, here's how he defines personality. He says this, personality is the special way God wired you to navigate life and fulfill your unique kingdom purpose. Now that verbiage kingdom purpose is something that he, 
he integrates throughout his book, but we have not defined that clearly within our time together during this Masterpiece in Progress series. And so I want to take a moment after you fill this in so that the personality is a special way God has wired you to navigate life and fulfill your unique kingdom purpose. Here's how we define kingdom purpose on the notes right below you. Kingdom purpose says this, they're your specific contribution to the body of Christ within your generation that causes you to totally depend on God and authentically display his love toward others, all through the expression of your unique shape. So it's saying that God has put you here, where you're living, for such a time as this, within your generation, within our generation, there's a reason why you were not created and lived hundreds of years ago or thousands of years. There's a reason why you are here now, that there is a way that God has shaped and molded you now to have a unique kingdom purpose that only you can do and only the way that you can do it. Now, are there other people who can be pastors and teachers? Of course. Are there other people who can be administrators and good with organization? Of course. Are there other people who can do all the different spiritual gifts? Yes, of course. But God has mixed you specifically and me specifically in order to do a specific, unique kingdom purpose that only you or I can fulfill. That this past week, you just um, was getting, I was getting fingerprints for something, and it's one of those where it's like, it blows my mind when we think about how unique each of us really and truly are. That there are no duplicates. That we all have been uniquely shaped and, and created by God. But not just so that we can enjoy things ourselves, but that we can have a kingdom purpose that builds his kingdom and points to him. So this is how we look at the kingdom purpose. Now, in order to kind of unpack different personalities, I know there are several different personality tests, different personality ideas. So for those of you who are into different ones, um, in the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Uh, if you are into the Enneagram, then I'm a two-wing one. Uh, Enneagram, just real quick, because I know Enneagram sounds weird. All that means is the Enneagram means the word for nine in Greek, and gram means drawing. So people are like, oh, it's evil. It's just a nine-figure drawing, okay? So don't worry about it. We want to be able to take a look at that. But I'm at two-wing one when it comes to the Enneagram. Uh, when it comes to the DISC test, I'm an SC. Um, so it means I'm not dominant, um, and I'm not... Uh, I forget what the I is. That just shows you how not dominant I am. And so it's just recognizing, you know, it's, it's, there's different personality types. And so those are all helpful and those are all good. And you can take that and study that. But what we're learning is that God has created each of us. And instead of trying to do all nine parts of the Enneagram or all 16 types of the Myers-Briggs or the various different types from DISC, I'm going to use uh, something that our staff had actually studied and went through last year, about this time last year, um, and it was these four different temperaments. And so there's a book that we read that's called A Grown-Up's Guide to Kids Wiring. And this is by Kathleen Edelman. And what's great about this is that it shows us the temperaments that we've been created with, how God has wired us. And then it talks about how kids are wired. And then it says, so if I'm, which I'll share, I'm a phlegmatic, which is uh, symbolized by the color green. And I have a daughter, Elise, who's a red, who's a choleric. And again, we'll unpack these a little bit more. And so how do I interact and respond to my daughter, who's the opposite type of personality than me? What kind of words do I say and not say? What are the triggers that maybe I might get frustrated with that she's not actually trying to be difficult, but we just have to think of different ways we interact. 
And so it was a really beneficial book. Um, and so now even as, like, as a family or even as staff, we'll sometimes just talk about what the different colors are and how we are wired. And so here's what I want to emphasize before we jump into the actual explanation of those four different temperaments. It's this quotation here from a book called Life Keys. It says, while there are some similarities among people of the same type, so that's a type of personality, whether that's Enneagram, whether that's Myers-Briggs, whether that's DISC, whether that's the four temperaments we're talking about, while there are some similarities among people of the same type, type doesn't explain everything about you or anyone else. Type does, however, do an excellent job of helping you understand yourself, appreciate others, and how the work and service setting that is best for you and make sense of some of your life choices. So this is not a be-all, end-all. I'm not, I'm not promoting like, oh, like you need to just study these personality types and that's all that's important. No, no, no. But it gives us a framework through which we can see, God, how have you wired me? How do I interact with others? And how might the way you've wired me and the way I interact with others point to areas in which you are calling me to serve? So it's not everything, but it's something that gives us um, some direction and some framework. So if you're a note taker, uh, here's uh, some of the notes for your box that's on the bottom of the, the um, page for you. Um, these are the four different temperaments that we see here. I'm going to read through these um, and I'll kind of go relatively slowly, but what I want to do, just to give you the context, we're going to unpack these four, then we're going to look at Mark chapter 3, then we're going to look at how the different, some of the different apostles will fit into these boxes, and then how we can see that God really does use people of every different personality or temperament for his kingdom and for his glory. So we're going to start with the sanguines. Sanguines are people who are extroverts and people-oriented. Now, to be clear, one of the things that, um, when we think of introvert, extrovert, some of us, we think of it as, where do you get your energy? Some, if you're an extrovert, you get energy being around people, um, a party that you don't know people that aren't, you know, you don't have, don't have any friends is not intimidating because those are just 30 new friends you're about to make and you won't even remember their names, but they're your best friends for that hour, right? There are people that you think, oh, that's an extrovert. You're, 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 um, you, you get charged by being around other people. Whereas an introvert, you might be like, my nightmare is 30 people I don't know. And I have to have small talk with them and I have to, you know, so it's, it's a lot harder. So you say, I get recharged by being by myself, by, by reading a book or just spending time alone. Now, while those are beneficial definitions, I'm going to give a little bit of a caveat of how we're going to use this verbiage um, for our, the sake of our conversation today. Because as we look at that book, Kathleen Edelman's A Grown-Up's Guide to Kids Wiring, what we talk about here is that an extrovert is someone that will speak before thinking. Anyone here speak before they think? <laughs> Whereas an introvert is someone who speaks after thinking. They think, process, and then they share what they're going to say. Where extroverts just, you know, they'll, they'll just talk. So it's a little different, but I want to give that caveat because it may potentially change a little bit of how you perceive yourself here. So again, a sanguine personality is someone who's extrovert, talks before they think, and people-oriented. They speak the language of people and fun. They want to be around people and they want to have fun. They're the lives of the party. They're the centers of attention. And they're someone who everyone nav naturally navigates towards. Excuse me. And then they're wired for optimism and positivity. They think, no, we can do this. And then someone else might say, how are you going to do it? I don't know, but it's going to happen, right? So they just have this positivity. They have this optimism. They have this thing. Well, we'll figure it out and it's going to be great. Red are the cholerics. Cholerics are also extroverts. Okay. I'm not that mad at the TV, sorry, I just keep moving it. Um, they're extroverts and then they're task-oriented. 
They put tasks before people. And so whereas one, you know, whereas uh, Sanguine is like, I don't care if I get nothing on my task list done. In fact, Sanguine will probably say, what is a task list? <laughs> but they would just want to hang out with people. Was your day great? Yes, I was in meetings all day and I loved it. Someone who's extrovert and task-oriented would be like, if they were in meetings all day and they didn't get anything done out of those meetings, they would think, this was a really hard day for me because nothing got crossed off my list. I didn't get anything done. I, I just spent time with people, which is fine. They're extroverts, it's fine. But it's not something that they feel great about. They speak the language of power and control. These are natural leaders that just jump in. If you're into the Enneagram, these would be like eights. You know, people that are just, they're the challengers. They're the ones that are in control. Uh, wired for visionary leadership. Could you imagine how important it is to have people within the body of Christ who are wired for visionary leadership, for seeing where we can go and making hard calls to get there? Cholerics are very important within the body of Christ. Phlegmatic. This is what I am. This is a green. So this is introvert. So thinking before I talk, um, recharging at home, and then people-oriented. You still love people. I'm not antisocial with people. And when I tell people I'm an introvert, like, you're not an introvert. You're so friendly. I'm like, those are not mutually exclusive. It just means I could be friendly for a while. And then every Sunday, guys, I take a nap. Like I have Sunday naps. I'm like, I just need to recharge and fall asleep for a little bit. And so, but they're people oriented. They speak the language of calm and harmony. They're the ones that might be in the middle of disputes between family members and friends and say, hey, can we, can we figure out a way to make this work again? Because when there's a conflict around, it makes me feel uneasy. So they speak a language of calm and harmony, and then they're wired for steadiness. The idea that when things get difficult, a, a yellow might go super high and then get super low, the sanguines. A, a melancholic will, a mel will just be like, everything's tough. You know, like they're just having a hard time. A green, the idea is that being steady and steadfast, even though things change, even though the world has gone crazy over the past few years, greens are ones that can withstand that maybe a little bit, not better, but are more wired to, in order to navigate that. And then lastly is the melancholic. These are introverts again, and they're task-oriented. They speak the language of perfection and order. These are the ones who want to ask all the questions before an event to make sure they have all the details. These are the ones that want to make sure that they're following the rules and then honestly that you're following the rules too. They're the ones that like order. They like, um, they, they, they don't handle uh, messiness very well. And so, and they're also wired for creative problem solving. That because they're in their minds so much, they process things internally, they are able to think through solutions that agreeing they wouldn't even worry about because they don't want to, they want to have calm. They want to have harmony. They don't want to disrupt things. A red would say, let's just do stuff and not worry about the best way to do it. They're like, we're just going to go take the hill. And the blues are like, but what if we can just go around? What if we can make a way that isn't doing the thing that you think we need to do? So all of them, friends, all of them are vitally important. Some of you automatically like, yep, that's me. Others of you were like, I'm not sure. And, and maybe I've got a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's, that's okay. That's normal. But God has wired us, whether you use this verbiage, Enneagram, uh, Myers-Briggs, let's, let's remove the tool and focus on the truth. The truth is that you have been wired and created for a purpose. And if you are someone that is, you know, loves being maybe behind the scenes to make sure that there's structure and perfection and there's order, and you get thrown into a job or thrown into a role where all your job is, is just having to be out in front of people talking all the time, 
you're gonna feel overwhelmed. You're gonna feel like this is not quite the right fit. It's like walking around in shoes that are two sizes too small. And you're like, I could do it, but it takes a lot of pain. So God has wired each of us intentionally. And I promise some of you are like, well, where, where are we at with the scripture? Because we're like, you're hearing things about, you know, personality. I, I understand that. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 3 and who God calls with his disciples. Because God calls people with different personalities. He doesn't all get all reds or all yellows. He doesn't just look for extroverts. He doesn't just look for introverts. He doesn't just call people who are most like him or least like him. He calls people with different personalities in order to reach and to fulfill different roles within the body of Christ. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13, we see the calling of the 12 apostles. He says, Jesus went up to a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, that they might send him out, them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Let's stop here for a moment because I think it's important for us. We're going to talk about how God uses us. But I think it's important for you to hear that God calls people with different personalities. That if you feel like God has called you to do something, but you, you're too introverted in your mind, or you're, you're not as task-oriented as you need to be, God has called you to follow him. He has called you to be in a role that he's appointed for you, as we see in verse 14. And part of that role is not just to do things for him, to be with him. He has called each. So if you're like, oh, I'm an extrovert. I can't sit down and have just quiet moments and devotion and prayer and silence to God. He's called you extroverts to be with him. Oh, I'm an introvert. I, I, I only want to do that. I don't want to go out and do anything. I would just love to sit in my, my room and study. Awesome. But he also says that we're called to be sent out. We're called to go and to do and to not just learn the word, but to be doers of the word. We're called to be lights in a dark place. We can't just do one or the other. He calls all of us to be sent out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. As an introvert, you'd be like, oh, I like the idea of being with Jesus, but the idea of having authority to drive out demons and the authority to preach in front of people, that might be scary, but God calls us to different things. So we continue on. Oh, sorry, Warren Wearsby has a quotation I want to share. He says, what an interesting group of men. They were ordinary men. Their personalities were different, yet Jesus called them to be with him, to learn from him, and to go out to represent him. All personalities are called to Jesus. We continue on in verse 14, uh, 15, excuse, or 16, I'm sorry. Mark 3, 16 says this. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, to be clear, if you looked at different sections, Matthew 10 has a list of apostles, Acts 1 has a, a list of apostles, and Luke as well. And so you, you might see different names um, for some like Bartholomew and Nathaniel. Bartholomew here, um, he is Nathaniel that we see in John chapter 1. Bar is the idea of son, so it's Nathaniel, son of Tholomew, or Tholomai. 
And so there's Matthew is also known as Levi. So you might see some and think the lists are incongruous. Well, they just had different names and they wrote them down, but you'll be consistent that these are 12 that God has called. Now, J.D. Jones was a theologian who wrote this in 1914 and uses some of the verbiage that we are referring to this morning. He says this, I'm greatly struck by the diversity and variety, both of temperament and of gift that I find amongst them, them being the apostles. Each of these temperaments had its representative amongst the 12. The sanguine and the impulsive Peter, the choleric and the sons of thunder, the phlegmatic and the slow and prosaic Philip, and the melancholic and doubting Thomas. So this is not me just trying to like shoehorn something in. This is something that people have acknowledged because these four different temperaments come back all the way back to Greek um, thought process and all these different things and thought that the idea back then was that different personalities were created based on certain physical things as well. So phlegmatic and choleric and all this different stuff. So you can look into it more later. Hippocrates is the one that talked about it. But over a hundred years ago, they're saying, look, I see the different personalities, the different temperaments are in the apostles. God didn't just call all of the same person, all of the same type of person. He called a, a, a bunch of different people from different backgrounds. Now, as we go into this, I'm going to give a quick mention. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to mention to, I don't necessarily agree with J.D. Jones on two of them. Yes, I believe about Sanguine that Peter was. Yes, I believe the Cholerics with John and James. I'm going to say that I actually think that Philip is a little bit more of a melancholic and that someone else that we'll see is a phlegmatic. And so this is just my perspective and this is how I'm looking at how, what the um, definitions are and how we see it in the scripture. But if you are interested in any of this type of dynamic of the different apostles, the disciples, and their personalities. I'd highly encourage you to look at 12 Ordinary Men by John MacArthur. In this book, he goes and he looks at the scripture that paints the picture of the different apostles. Now, the chapter of Peter is pretty long because he's outside of Jesus. Peter's name is the one most used in all the gospels. He's always asking questions. He's always saying things. He's always speaking out. So he's got more content. Same thing with John. He wrote a bunch of the New Testament as well. And then near the end, you'll see like James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. There's three disciples that are all within one chapter because we just don't know as much about them. So I'm not going to go through all 12 this morning, but I do want to put forth that we could see from the list that we saw in Mark chapter 3, the, f the first few names that we see here fit pretty well within these different personality types. So as we go to the next slide, you'll notice most of these are the same, but the only thing you need to fill in is the example that is listed in your notes. So as J.D. Jones mentioned, Peter is the sanguine. As we look, he's someone who, again, he's always at the center of attention. He's speaking out. And sometimes when he speaks out, it's beautiful. It's no, you are the Christ. And then Jesus says, you know, upon this, I will build my church, my rock. And so it's, it's, you know, sometimes he says awesome things that he's in line before other people. And other times he doesn't. But he still speaks before he thinks sometimes. Some of us friends, we, if we're extroverts, we might speak before we think. We look at the choleric, we see the example of James and John. We could see this when it's describing them in Mark chapter 3, and it says, who Jesus gave the name sons of thunder. You can tell that they're, he didn't say like sons of a flowery meadow. Like he's like, these are sons of thunder. These are strong power, control. And we look at John and we think, oh, he's the disciple of love. Yes, but that's not how he started out. Jesus did a work in his life. 
in order to not identify with trying to get power and control over others, but to find his identity in being the beloved of Jesus. Friends, no matter what personality type you have, we want to be able to find our identity not in, not in these things, but in being the beloved of Jesus, of knowing that how deep the Father's love that he has for you, that he's lavished upon you, that you would be called children of God. And friends, that is what you are. Written by John, a son of thunder. Phlegmatics, green, this is Andrew, someone who's introverted, but people-oriented. I'm going to unpack that one in a couple moments because I love him. And the melancholic is Philip, someone who's task-oriented, someone who looks and sees the, uh, how can this work, and maybe tries to come up with solutions, but also maybe looks so much by the numbers that he doesn't always see things by faith. So let's look real quick at the scripture to look at different sections that might point us to why we might potentially put each of these in different places. Peter the Sanguine, we see this. If we go to the next slide, this is a story when Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, and he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Like he's very bold, very out there, just saying, no, never. And then Jesus says, answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Uh, then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my whole body as well. Like he goes from being impulsive and saying, you will never do that to please wash all of it. He goes from being the one, I will never betray you to doing so later that night. But he's also the one who impulsively and boldly will say, Jesus, if that's you, call me out into the water. And he says, come. And when he fixes his eyes on Jesus, he can walk on water. But when he gets distracted by the wind and the waves, he just, he falls. And then Jesus immediately picks him up. But Peter's out front. He's the center of attention. He's the one that's the leader in front of all the different, um, he's the first of all the lists of the apostles. He's the spokesperson for the apostle. He is the one who stands out. He's a sanguine. The next one we see here is James and John, the cholerics. This story is from Luke chapter 9, verses 54 and 55. And when the disciples, James and, G, uh, James and John, saw that there were other people who were doing things in Jesus' name, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. It's like, wait, <laughs> they're doing good things and you just want to send fire on them? He's like, yeah, because power and control. You know, like they want to be in charge. And if they're not with us, they're against us. Again, these are, these, God uses people that have that fortitude and that power and that visionary leadership. But we need to recognize that cholerics can often put the, 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 the feelings of people secondary and they don't always see how God might be using people. And so we don't want to be, if you're a choleric, don't be the kind of choleric that says, you're, if you're not for me, you're against me when it comes to people in the body of Christ. Don't be the kind of one that says, God, can you rain down fire on them because they disagree with me. Be the kind of choleric who's been changed by God, that feels so beloved by God, that that same visionary leadership that you are naturally gifted with can be coincided with an identity in Christ that points people to who Jesus is. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing, cholerics, who are able to step into that. We see here Andrew, the phlegmatic. I had to use two different verses here because there's two different things that point him. Because if you look at your list, if you look at your Bibles, Mark chapter 3, you're going to notice that Andrew is listed fourth. If you look in the Matthew version or the Luke version, you'll notice that Andrew is listed second. Why? Well, in the Matthew and Luke versions, they list them by pairs. And so the beginning people, they list by who their brothers were. 
So it was Simon Peter and Andrew, because they're brothers. And then it's James and John. But in Mark, this illustrates the point for us because it shows this. It says that the way it happens is Simon, then James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and then Andrew. And that might feel like that's not that important, but think back about um, when were the times that when Jesus brought down his group to a group of three? It's Peter, it's James, and John. It's Peter, James, and John that get to see the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus is transfigured and, and Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter's like, let's set up tents and go camping up here. And it's Peter, James, and John who are closer to Jesus during the Mount Olive prayer time at the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's Peter, James, and John that even though Andrew was related to Peter, he was left out of that inner circle. Maybe feeling like he's been overlooked maybe feeling like he's not getting enough credit, yet he does not let that bother him. He is someone that his first initial thought is maybe he's a little bit more introverted. We don't hear him speak much in the Gospels, but we see the first thing Andrew did was about people when he found out who Jesus was. The first thing Andrew did when he found out about Jesus was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah that is the Christ. This is someone who's introverted but cares about people, And he says, the first thing I do is I want to bring someone I know and love closer to Jesus. In that book, The Twelve Ordinary Men, John MacArthur paints the picture that evangelism, when we talk about people sharing their faith with people, in this day and age, people are far more likely to want to enter into a right relationship with Jesus through one-on-one relationships rather than huge lectures or huge crusades or huge things like that. A couple years ago, we talked about the five thresholds and how when someone wants to walk that step of faith, first, they just need to trust a Christian. And then that person might become curious about faith. And then that person is open to change. What might God do in my life? Then that person genuinely seeks what God might be doing. And then fifth, that person would surrender their lives to Jesus, confess that he is Lord and get baptized. So we see this idea that Sometimes it starts with just trusting a Christian. That is the mode of Andrew. He says, listen, I'm going to one-on-one reach people. In John chapter 12, I didn't show it on there, but John chapter 12, there are Greeks who want to meet Jesus, and they come to Philip, and Philip says, Philip, or Philip says hey, Andrew, you, you introduce them to Jesus because he knew that Andrew was totally comfortable being close to Christ but also wanted to make sure those close to him or those to whom he's introduced would come to Christ as well. We see John chapter 6, that another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, we spoke on this just a couple weeks ago, said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? We focused on the provision and the giver of of the boy with the the fish and loaves a couple uh, weeks ago, but think about this from Andrew's perspective. Is it possible, is it possible that because Andrew, who was listed fourth, who even though he was brother of Simon Peter, the one upon whom the church was built, on the rock that, G, that the church was built, is it possible that because when Jesus says, hey, I need my three, Peter, James, John, you're with me. And Andrew's the first one left out. Is it possible that people who have felt left out are the ones that can find people who feel left out like a little boy who's afraid to speak up and bring them into an opportunity to be used by Jesus.
Friends, if you are someone who's been either bullied or, or, or felt lonely, isn't it true that you recognize the signs of other people who are bullied or lonely first? Isn't it true that you can say, I've, I've seen that before. Let me welcome you in. As an introvert, it could be hard. But phlegmatics, friends, we are so needed for relationships so that the church doesn't become just a corporation or, or corporate slogans, but it becomes a place where people love one another. And to be steady and steadfast, that the steadiness of saying, we don't know what we're going to do. It's like, well, I, there's this guy. There's this little boy who gets overlooked. I don't know what he could do, but, you know, what can I do among so many? But he still brought one person to Jesus. He brought Peter to Jesus, the boy to Jesus, and the Greeks to Jesus. He's introverted, but he still loves people. And then lastly, Philip the melancholic. This is actually a precursor to the story we just read. So we just read John 6, 8, and 9. And if you're with us a couple weeks ago, we looked at how Philip was the one that Jesus asked when everyone was seated and there's the feeding of the 5,000 men, not including women and children, and said, Philip, what should we do to feed them? And Philip responds with a very um, analytical, uh, John MacArthur calls him the bean counter, the one who's making sure everything is in place. He calls him a facts and figures guy. If you're someone that you like process and you like numbers and you like data and you like, the, this, is, this is someone that's a little more alongside your ilk, that you're introverted, you don't speak out much but you think through things clearly. You have a process, and that process is good, and yet there are times in which God says, I need you to walk not by faith. Excuse me, not by sight, but by faith. Man, I really butchered that one. Not to walk by sight of what you can see and the figures and the numbers and the bean counting, but to walk by faith and see how might God, how might you go beyond what I see black and white on a piece of paper? How might you show me that being faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. He says, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. He says, the, the calculations don't add up, Jesus. Now, Philip, we, again, we don't hear much about him in the rest of the Gospels. Later on in John chapter 14, he says, God, Jesus talks about, you know, I'll, sh I'll show you the Father. And Philip's like, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have you not seen? Have you not been with me? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You don't need to know the way to the Father because I am the way. And so Philip, he doesn't speak out much, but he wants to see the plan. He wants to see logic. He wants to be bean counting. He wants to see facts and figures. So some of you might lean into that. And so we can look at here, God uses, he calls different personalities. Now, if you're someone that's, I, I, I'm, don't want to learn anymore about personalities. Totally fine. We'll, we'll, we'll stop here for now for that specific, you know, looking at charts and things like that. But here's what I want you to recognize, for all of us to recognize. Not only does he call different personalities, but God uses every personality. There aren't just some personalities that get used by God. There aren't just some that are like, oh, you know, you are the holy ones because you're the extroverts. You can be friendly to people, but you're the process person. You better stay behind the scenes. No, 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 no. Absolutely, unequivocally, God uses each and every personality. One of the ways we want to illustrate this is to show you a video of uh, Francis and Elizabeth Pang and how God has created them with different personalities, but how God has used them and is continuing to use them through those personalities in order to serve our church 
in his kingdom. So why don't you go ahead and turn this attention to the screens as we watch this together. Hi, uh, I'm Francis Pang. And I'm Elizabeth Pang. Well, people ask me, how do I find PCC? It's an interesting story. Well, when I was living in space, Silver Spring, we called the 411 for the church in Pomerado, close to Pomerado Road and Poway Road. And the 411 director gave me the, this number and I called and they say service starts at 10. So I took my daughter show up at 10 o'clock at that church and that church say, no, we don't have the service at 10, it's at 11, you got the wrong church. So at that time we don't have cell phone, so I need to drive all the way to Target to do the pay phone and call Barbara Mayer. Where's your church? And she said, Stone Canyon. I said, where is Stone Canyon? I don't even know. And she gave me the direction. And here we are in this church, Pamela Christian Church, for over 28 years. Gee, time flies. <laughs> my kids are all grow up in here, and they're all grown up now. So my personality and Francis' personality is, my personality, I can say, is more like personable and passionate and diligent. And Francis? I'm a more self-started professional and um, competent engineer. Um, enjoy working in changing project and um, not a phase of um, standing up for my what I believe and I always make tough call. And I'm a quick learner too. Um, I'm flexible, able to uh, do motor testing and acting um, independently and be proactive. In PCC, I actually find very interesting in changing project. So I was working in the uh, VBS for many different projects. And one of the projects I feel very changing is I build a uh, home uh, train depot for this VCBS, which i never done before. So I be, have to be a quick learner, try to figure out what need I need to do. And uh, good that actually I work with a lot of attendant people in the church and they help me try to understand how I need to be getting done. So for me, I feel I'm very in a good relationship with God and other people in the church because they actually get to know me a lot better now. And um, uh, I feel very good in the church and I find that uh, I am very happy to serve in very different between me and Elizabeth. So to me, because I'm more like personality, so in 2011 I started to do my research because I want to do the homeless. So I found out this Lando, Lando that was doing the homeless in San Diego downtown. I brought my two kids down there and at that time because I still have a lot of non-believers of my friends, the whole purpose I do this one is because I want my friend, I don't want to just bring them to church, hey, because hey, come to visit my church. Sometimes people just do it for the checklist. I want them to really see it and experience it. So I always invite my non-Christian friends to go to do the homeless with me and then they will see that the church function, how do the, even the homeless people, they believe in the Lord even though they are homeless. So I I think that it's important for my non-Christian friend to know that there's a God out there looking after them, but they don't know that. So I wanted them, they experience the church and they're feeding the homeless and doing all this stuff to experience the God love. I try to say it's like the compensation, the compassion of both Francis and I, we do have a lot of difficulties. You have to understand we are not native English people. 
we get a lot of the problems. A lot of the time, people say, "I don't understand you. Give us attitude, or give us the very rude-looking. Why are you here in my country?" But to be honest, the way I look at it is like I'm coming here to serve the Lord. I'm not coming here to why you judge me or not. You can do whatever you want to, but my heart is telling me I come and serve the Lord and glorify to Him.、Um, I feel that、uh, Weibo is a masterpiece from God because we actually doing things differently,、uh, but、uh, we and also we have different personality and.、Uh, But like for example,、um, I'm actually doing、uh, video streaming at the back of the church, and Elizabeth's more on the upfront. She、oh, goes to different uh,、oh, uh, group, and they kind of like. So I think he uses for doing different to serve him. I'm so grateful for、uh, Elizabeth and Francis sharing, and I love that when it just starts off like I'm Francis and I'm Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, well, she she tells a story, right? She's able to tell a story, and and she's able to explain, and then she talks about how she brings people with her, so she'd be more extroverted, right? And she's hosted events at her house for the women's ministry and being able to do that, and and Francis doing a great job of saying I'm I'm a quick learner, I don't know how to build a train depot, which honestly who does? And he's just like I'm gonna do it, and it's gonna be awesome, and it was just a great part of VBS, and then going and working in the back in the sound booth and saying you know if one of them had to switch if they had to switch roles that might feel a little more difficult. If Francis was like I'm gonna host everybody. And Elizabeth is like, I'm going to stay in the back. Like those might not match as well, but God shaped them to be able to find roles that do match them. God uses every personality. And so, real quick,、uh, I know this is kind of hard to ask on a cold day,、um, but what would I, if you were to say, what is your favorite? I'll, I'll connect it. It sounds random.、Um, what's your favorite ice cream from Baskin Robbins? Okay, so has anyone ever had、uh, chocolate peanut butter? That's that's my favorite. Well done, good and faithful.、Um, uh, what are some? Just just say out loud. What's one that you guys like? Pralines, pralines and creams. I heard mint chip, bubble gum. What else? Golden ribbon. Yep, yep. Pistachio. I don't understand. I don't understand pistachio. Why is it green? I don't get.、It. Anyways,、um, anyone else? Raspberry. Okay, wonderful. So. We're talking about personalities, and so you know we're talking about different ways. I said I was done with them, but there's one more personality test. And according to Baskin Robbins, let's look at the different personalities based on your ice cream flavors. And so,、uh, if you like cookie dough, did anyone say cookie dough? You are the you are the clown, apparently.、Um, if you like baseball nuts, you're the funny one because、like, you're probably nutty. I don't know.、Uh, the people pleaser is vanilla. Like I just want whatever you want, right? And so. Uh, the romantic is love potion. That seems self-explanatory. The athletic one, bubble gum. We got a bubble gum here. The competitive friend is cotton candy. I don't get that one at all. Oh, because of the carnival. Yeah. Anyway, sorry.、Um, the the chef is a strawberry cheesecake. The entertainer is the mint chocolate chip that we heard. The party lover is cookies and cream. The superhero geek is mango tango. I don't know. The、uh, motherly friend is jamoka almond fudge, which I think I heard someone mention. And then the classy one is world class chocolate. So. Is this real? No, of course not. This is not what we're going to base our sermon off of. Now go with God, you know. Like, but, but recognizing this, Rick Warren says something akin to this idea here. Let's go to the next. There is no right or wrong temperament for ministry. We need all kinds of personalities to balance the church and give it flavor. The world would be a very boring place if we were all plain vanilla. Fortunately, people come in more than thirty-one flavors. 
It's saying that God has made each of you differently. And if you are made to be like the, the mango tango, like superhero geek, don't try to be vanilla. Don't do it. Find a way that you can be the way God has made you with his personality, the personality he's given you. I'll close with this. Rick Warren also in this book says this. He says, your personality will affect how and where you use your spiritual gifts and abilities. So again, it's all connected to shape. Personality will help you to figure out how and where. Woodworkers know that it's easier to work with the grain rather than against it. In the same way, when you are forced to minister in a manner that is, go ahead and go to the next one, out of character for your temperament, it creates tension and discomfort, requires extra effort and energy, and produces less than the best results. So it says this, God has shaped you. Don't try to be like someone else. God has given you spiritual gifts, you a heart and a passion, you abilities, you personalities. Don't try to say, well, I have these spiritual gifts. I want to have the same personality as that person. I want to be a leader, not a shepherd. Or I want to be an administrator, not someone who's out in front of people. Friends, the more time we spend fighting how God has created us to serve in his kingdom, is time lost to be fulfilling the unique purpose he has for us. What's the unique purpose, the kingdom purpose? It's the special thing he's called you to do in such a time as this, in your generation, that allows you to totally and authentically rely on God through the expression of your shape. It's saying that God has created each of you beautifully and wonderfully. You are masterpieces. You are works of art. You are poemas, as Ephesians 2 talks about. And so don't be a masterpiece that's trying to be like someone else. Be who God has made you to be so you can serve the purpose God has made you to serve, so you can glorify the God who loves you more than you could ever hope for or imagine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, watching or listening throughout the week. I pray, God, that you would speak and encourage, challenge, whatever you need to do in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us to see that the way you've made our personality, Lord, is, is not bad. It's good. You formed us. You shaped us. You created us. You know us. You love us. And you've called us to purposes. I pray that all of us would hear the call to a right relationship with you, Jesus, that regardless of the personality differences within the disciples, all were called and encouraged and invited into a relationship with you. And I pray that for everyone in this room now and everyone watching or listening now. But God, you've also told us that you use different personalities in different ways. So may we not try to be like other people, but may we be who you've created us to be so that we can reflect your glory and that we wouldn't go against the grain, but we would go with the grain how you've made us so we can point to you and all we say, think, and do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.